Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. So we're excited that you're here for week three in this series called Kingdom Culture. Kingdom Culture, we're talking about the kingdom culture, the culture that God really wants to bring from heaven to earth. And again, my prayer is that he would just blow away our expectations today. That's my prayer all week. That no matter what you experience, whatever that is, you just blow it away. I don't know if you've ever gone to a place or or talked to someone and and they just kind of, you know, you, you heard something or you saw something you didn't expect. You know what I'm talking about? Good or bad. You just didn't expect it. I went, to, uh, I went to an optometrist or an op, which, which one's the dude that checks your eyes or the lady that checks your eyes? The, uh, the eye doctor, all right? Well, I went there because my, blur, my vision's getting a little bit blurry, you know, and I'm kind of not seeing things as clearly as I used to. And, you know, you have to kind of hold things further away and then you can't see really far away. And so I went there and he said something that I was not expecting. He said this word, bifocals. And I'm like, I know I can't see very well. Don't clap for that. I know I can't see very well. And I'm having trouble and things are blurry, but I don't need to see to know that you have lost your dang mind because I am not about to put on some bifocals. I don't even have glasses, but I was just going to get things checked out. Well, I'm praying that we wouldn't have that experience, but we'd have the experience where, hey, we came into this room expecting one thing and God did something completely different. That God did something. He met you here. He spoke to your heart, perhaps in a way that he hasn't before. As we talk about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, and the reason why we're talking about it is because Jesus has so much to say about it. In fact, he said, this is why I came. 50 times in the, the gospel of Matthew alone, he talks about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Talks about the kingdom. Says you gotta become like a child if you wanna enter into the kingdom. He says the kingdom is like you know, a farmer scattering seed in a soil. He says the kingdom is, is like someone who's searching for a treasure in a field and would sell everything that they have to go after. He says the kingdom, you know, it's, it's more difficult for a rich man to get into the kingdom than it is for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle over 50 times. In the book of Matthew alone, he talks about the kingdom of heaven. And so roughly 2,050 years ago, he began this process of bringing the kingdom of heaven down to earth. This is what it says in Luke 4, 43. He says, I must, this is Jesus. Here's why I came, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. To other towns also, because he says, that's why I was sent. In other words, the whole reason that I'm here, the whole reason that I came is to to tell you about the good news. And part of that is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And in case you didn't know it, one of the reasons this church exists is to tell you about the good news, the gospel of Jesus. Colby, what's the gospel? The gospel is someone came to this earth to pay for your sins. That we're all sinners. We've all fallen short. We're all separated, you know, because of our sin from a holy God. And so in his love and mercy and grace, he sent his one and only son to this earth to pay for the sins of the world. And today, today you can have your sins paid for. If you put your trust in Jesus who came to the earth as a baby, right? Hello, Christmas. We're about to celebrate that soon. 
which by the way, you better start doing your shopping now. I hear there's shiploads of containers in the ocean somewhere. <laughs> so get all of it done. Came to this earth as a, as a child, lived a perfect sinless life, was sacrificed, crucified, dead, and buried, rose to life on the, the third day, hello Easter, right? And so you and I can experience freedom. That's the gospel. That's the good news. It gives us the Holy Spirit so we can be empowered to live the life he's called us to live, that we, we, we can live with joy and peace and patience and all that. And the best part is that you and I get to inherit heaven forever. Isn't that great news? That's why it's called the good news. It should be called the great news. It's called the good news. That's the gospel. And Jesus said, this is why I came. Because you need to know that. I came to bring a slice of heaven down to this, this earth. So we're talking about a kingdom culture. Now, what is culture? Here's a, a good definition, as simple as it gets. And I'm a cookies on the bottom shelf kind of guy, so I need it simple. But culture, I've heard said, is that it's the way a group of people walk and talk. That's it. It's a way of walking and talking, and that's what a culture is. And so you know this. You've experienced different cultures. You can go to different cities and have a different experience you know, in different cities that you go to. You go to one city and everybody's friendly and kind and waving, you know, go down to the south, you know, and they're all nice and sweet and gentle. You go somewhere else and they're flipping you the bird, right? We've, we experience different cultures. It's the reason why you can go to Waterford and somebody could say, you know, hey neighbor, here's the shirt off my back. Or you can go to Titusville and they'll say, hey neighbor, here's the shirt off my back. See, I got you. I got you. You thought I was going to say something else about Titusville. I learned my lesson. And I recently had a run-in with the wonderful men in blue in Titusville and had a great experience. It is now my favorite place on the planet. All right, just so you know. So shout out to Titusville. But that's why we can experience different cultures in different places. It's the way people walk and talk that determines like their, their culture. This church has a culture. This church has a culture. And when we walk and talk in a way as, as carriers of the kingdom of heaven, we are bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. When you and I decide I'm going to live my life in such a way with the kingdom of heaven in mind, yes, I'm going to be here physically. Yes, I'm going to, to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to live out the purposes of my, my life. I'm going to pursue that. But there's going to be a piece of my mind and my focus and my thoughts and my energy that's always focused on God's kingdom. And when I do that, it changes me. It changes the way I walk and I talk. And when the way I walk and talk changes, you know what it changes? It changes the culture around me. So you know, this room is not just a regular auditorium. It's a group of people coming in, focused on the kingdom, and it brings the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's, it's not just an auditorium. That's why the rooms you can go into, like that's not just a room. That's not just a, you know, I just don't go and step on a, on a court. I just don't go into a normal meeting room. I don't just go into a school. I don't just do that. Everywhere I go, I'm bringing the culture of heaven with me. Are you with me? Every room you go into, you can bring a piece of that. So my faith and my, my identity and my peace and my joy is not determined by the environment that I'm in. It's determined by the person I'm bringing with me, inside of me, into that environment. You got it? So that's what we're called to do. Bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Bring this culture, this kingdom culture 
to the the earth. And so uh, more and more people can know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. So we can do our best to depopulate hell and populate heaven. That's what we're called to do. And if we're going to do that and live that way, then there has to be a peace of my mind and my focus and my attention and my energy and thoughts put on the things of heaven. I must have a kingdom mindset. That's what I want to talk to you about today. In fact, that's the title for the message, a kingdom mindset. That's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to give you three ways to do it. And in honor of the fall season, write this down, P-S-L. Not pumpkin spice latte, but pray, seek, and live. That's it. It's three things. It's going to be super simple today. Pray, seek, and live. If we're going to be kingdom people, with a kingdom mindset, we have to pray it down. Gotta pray it down. We have to to seek it out in the different areas in our life and we have to live with it in mind. So the first thing we gotta do, write this down, is pray it down. Now listen, I know if you ladies were here at Sisterhood last night, (laughs) shout out to my wife, what an incredible night that was, right? She told you to pray it up. I am not contradicting my wife. I would never do that. I'm a smart man. I don't like sleeping on the couch. So when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, we're trying to get the kingdom here. And so we got to pray it down, pray it down. In fact, there was a time that Jesus was talking with his best friends, the disciples and the the people that he hung out with and did life with. And they said, hey, Jesus, we know that sometimes you pull away from the crowd. And we watch you go over to a quiet place and we watch you pray. And and sometimes we even hear you pray a little bit, but we're not exactly sure what you're saying. You know, we know you're praying to the Father. Would you teach us how to do that? Like, would you teach us how to pray like you prayed? And this is what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He said, yeah, here's what you do. When you pray, pray like this. Verse 9, this then is how. Everybody say how. He did not say what you should pray. And keep this in mind. A lot of things in the Bible are, are, are prescriptions that we should follow exactly. Other things are descriptions, giving us an outline, just giving us direction. This, it doesn't say this is what you should pray, how you should do it. This is a template for us on how we are, are to pray. He says, pray, pray like this then. You should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed, or hallowed if you speak King James, right? Hallowed be your Name. And you know what hallowed means? It means holy. It means consecrated. Set apart. Like we believe this auditorium is hallowed ground because of the presence of, of God's here. It's not just, but anywhere you go as a kingdom carrier, right? The, the presence of God is there. He says, hallowed be your, your name. In other words, start out by just worshiping. Just worship God. Understand and recognize who it is that you're singing to. God, you reign above it all. You reign above it all. Understand who he is. Worship. That's why we say whenever you're going through a difficult season in your life, if you'll just put some praise on it, you'll just put some worship on it, it'll make a difference. It will change things. Just just worship. Understand who God is. Hallowed be your name. Then here comes the kingdom language, right? He says, your kingdom come. Bring it down here. Your kingdom come here. I'm praying it down. And if you read this, you continue to read it. It says daily. 
Do this daily. This is a daily prayer. We should be praying this way. And I know the pushback. Some people say, well, Colby, I'm just, I'm too busy to pray. Can I tell you something? You're too busy not to pray. You have too much going on in your life, you know, to, to not pray, to not have Jesus and God and his spirit being at the center of it. Martin Luther King said this. I love this quote. He said, I have so much going on today that I'm going to have to spend the first three hours in prayer. I love that. You're too busy not to pray. So we got to pray it down, pray it down. Then he says this, and here's, here's where it starts. It starts with you and me. Those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, and, and let me just say this, I know that's not everybody here in the room, and I know that's not everybody watching online, but we're so glad that you're here kind of kicking the tires of faith and saying, you know, what is this about? Who is God? Who is Jesus? And my prayer is that by the time that you leave, you would know who Jesus is. You would have an undeniable encounter with God. But this is for those of us who put our faith in God and have the guts to pray this kind of prayer. It says, God, would your will be done in my life? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I tell you something? That's a gutsy prayer. To pray for God's will to be done in your life. Not only was Jesus modeling this kind of, of prayer, you know, and teaching it to the disciples, but he modeled it for them as well. I don't know if you remember uh, the, the, the Passover, the, the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus invited his friends to this final dinner and, and to them it was just another dinner. Although, you know, Jesus was doing something he'd never done before. He was washing their feet, you know, and so that was kind of radical in the time no rabbi had ever washed anybody's feet. So he's serving them. So they knew something was weird, but they thought it was just dinner. They didn't know they were gonna be painted in the Last Supper for the next 2,000 years, right? They didn't have that kind of idea. But Jesus was, was washing their feet in the upper room. They had this dinner, and I've been in that room before. And if you've come to Israel you know, with us, you've been in that room as well. And, and I've been from that, that room. Where, so this is, just so you know, this is not fairy tale church stuff. This is historical fact. Jesus walked from that upper room down the winding road to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's, and he's there and he is, don't, don't miss this, fully God and fully man. And so him being fully God, he knows what's about to happen. He knows that he's about to, to get led away. He's about to be arrested in the garden. He's about to get you know, put on a false trial. He's about to get whipped, tied to a whipping post, whipped with a cat of nine tails. He knows there's gonna be a crown of thorns shoved in his head. He knows he's gonna have to carry a piece of lumber after having his back ripped open and exposed to a, a place called Golgotha. He knows they're about to drive nine inch nails through his wrists and through his feet. And as fully God, he understands that as fully man, he's scared to death that that's coming. He's fully God, fully man. And so he also is scared to death. The Bible says that he's sweating blood, drops of blood, because he's so anxious about what's about to happen to him. But he says this, guys, come pray with me. In Matthew 26, 39, he says, I'm so scared that God, Father, could you take this cup? Look at it, it says, going a little further, Jesus falls to the ground. Father, if it's possible, can you take this cup from me? Man, I'm so overwhelmed. This is way more than I can handle. Has anybody else felt that way in the last 20 months? I can't tell you how many times Kristen and I have sat on our back porch in the last 20 months and said, God, this is more than we can handle. 
leading a church in this season, you know, leading our family, trying to make God-directed decisions for how to educate our children, how to raise them up. This is, we feel overwhelmed. And you feel the same way I know. That this, this pandemic has caused more of us to live with stress than any other time, at least in my, my lifetime. That I've been alive. Like, God, would you take this cup from me? This is how Jesus felt knowing what was gonna happen to him. Here's, would you take this cup from me? But what does he say? This gutsy prayer, yet not what I want, not my will, your will be done. God, I so desperately want your kingdom to come to this earth. So no matter what my preferences are in this moment, not my will, your will be done. In other words, God, based on your plan, based on your purpose, based on what you want to see happen in my life and in my family's life and in this city and through this church, God, in our community, like not my will, but your will be done. How many of you know that is a tough prayer? That sounds easy. That's not easy to pray. It's not easy, especially when we think there's so many things that we desperately need in the moment or we do, do need. Um, one of my boys who will remain unnamed today because I'm feeling gracious. Because uh, some of you know, and I don't have $5. Because if you know this at all, if I mention one of my boys by name, I have to give them $5, all right? I grew up as a, a pastor kid. And every time my dad said my name, I'm like, dad, stop telling stories about me. Stop using me as illustrations. So we've just told our kids, if we say your name, we'll give you $5. So now they're like, dad, say my name, say my name. I ain't saying your name, all right? I'm a smart man. But I will say he is named after a color and he is four years old. So here, there you go. In the last month, this unnamed child of mine has asked me no less than 150 times, dad, can we go to the dollar store? Can we go to the dollar store? Can we go to the dollar store? And no less than 150 times have I said, no, we're not going to the dollar store because I know what you want. You wanna buy a craft for a buck, which I'm gonna have to put together that's not gonna last or some other junk that's gonna you know, last about three minutes, right? So I know what you, you want. He keeps asking it, it for me. And I know some of you hear that, and you're like, yeah, man, kids, gosh. You know, can't live with them, can't eat them. You know, those kids, I know, I don't. I'm just kidding, that got weird, that got dark. Eat them. But I was thinking about that and how he asked me so many times. I wonder if God... If he was to bust out the list of our prayer requests to him in the last week, or to bust out the list of our prayer requests to him in the last year, or the last, last month, if he was to say, here, here, let's take a list and see what you've prayed for. God, would you please? God, would you please? God, would you please? God, would you please? Can I please have? God, I need this. God, would you fix this? God, could you hurry up? God, I need, I need help. Would you please? Would you please? Would you please? I think God might say to us, hey, you know not one time have you asked me what it is that you can do for me? Not one time did my unnamed child say, hey, dad, you know, what is it that you want from me this week? God would say, we pray the same way. Not one time this week, this month, this year, did you say, God, what is your will for my life? And so this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples and modeled for us in the garden, can I just tell you, it's not for his benefit. This is not for God's benefit, it's for your benefit. It's for my benefit. When we change the way that we pray and pray, you know, the kingdom of heaven down to earth, it's for our benefit. I can tell you the first time that I recall praying this prayer, this kind of way with my wife, 
was when we, we didn't have children. We were you know, going through a season of infertility. We were on the five-year plan, turned to the seven-year plan, if you know what I'm talking about. And we sat there, God, what do you, what do you want for our lives? Like we were living in Toledo, Ohio. God, what do you want for our lives? We'll go on the mission field. God, not our will. You remember this? Not our will. God, your will be done. And that's when he started to put his plan and purpose into motion in our lives. I want you to be in ministry. This is what you are, you are called to do. And then we prayed that prayer again before we came out to Erie because we visited Erie, Pennsylvania, and we left Erie saying, there is no way we're going to Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's how a lot of you ended up here, by praying this prayer. But we sat there and said, God, not... That's how we felt, exactly. We said, God, not our will, but your will be done. Like, what is it that you want from us? How can we best serve your plan and purpose? Are you with me? I know this, this seems, this is radical and this takes guts to do. Like, even when it came to having a, a reversal done of my vasectomy, that's too much information for some of you, I know. But with this, this fourth unnamed child that I've been talking about now all day, so I am going to have to say his name. But, like, it's like, God, not my will. This was certainly not my will to do a, you know, snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap, but I'll do whatever. <laughs> Not my will, your will be, be done. And can I tell you something in this season? I'm learning to pray that all over again. God, when it comes to building, when it comes to spaces, when it comes to what you want to happen in and through your church in this city, God, get us out of the way. Like, not our will, but your will be done. Because all of us would say that we want an Ephesians 3.20 God, a God that does immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine. But can I tell you how you receive that? It's because a God who will do more than you can ask, think, or imagine means that you don't even know what to pray for. Means that you don't even have the knowledge of what to ask God for. And so if you want to start praying for that to happen, you have to pray, God, not my will, but your will be done. And by the way, don't miss this. He's a great father. You can go to him with any requests that you have. Never once did I tell my unnamed child, you know, that no, you know, I didn't say stop asking me to go to the dollar store. Never once did I say that because he knew if he asked me enough, he was going to wear me out. And my wife thinks I'm a sucker already. And so I'll just give in, give him what he wants. But I just need to tell you, this is the game changer when we take our eyes off of us. And we say, God, not my will, but your will be done. That's what kingdom people do. That's how we bring the culture of kingdom, the kingdom culture into this earth. So we got to pray it down. Here's the second thing. Write it out. Write it. Seek it out. Pray it down. Then seek it out. Kingdom people look for opportunities to bring the kingdom of heaven into any situation. Matthew 6, says this, seek the kingdom of God. So I gotta seek it. I gotta be looking for it. Another version that you might be more familiar with says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God. And what does it say? Above all else. Above all else. Live and live righteously. I know some of us read that and we're like, see, that's the part that gets me, Cole, because I'm not, I'm not righteous. Well, let me teach you something real quick. When you put your faith in Jesus and you repent of your sin, the Bible says when I repent, he is faithful 
and just and will forgive me of all my sin and purify me of all unrighteousness. So I'm made right with God, not because I live perfectly. I'm made right with God because Jesus lived perfectly on my behalf. Are you with me? So it's not by anything that I've done. It's by what he's already done for me on the cross. And so are you. If you're a follower of Jesus, this verse applies to you. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Everything you need. If you've been around church for a minute, you've, you've heard this verse, but maybe you don't know the, the context of it. In the, my Bible, in the NIV version, the heading before it, before this section of scripture says, don't worry about anything. You know what God's telling us? This right here is the key to your anxiety. This is the key to your depression. This is the key to your doubt. This is the key to, to worrying about everything that he says, seek God first above all else. He says, this is the answer to everything that you need. The problem is many of us are seeking everything else as the answer, are we not? Seeking everything else to give us peace, to give us joy, to give us you know, comfort in this season. Everything else we, we think with it that can fix it on our own to realize it's not working. He goes, no, seek my presence above it all and I'll give you everything that you need. I'll give you stability. I'll give you confidence. I'll give you provision. I'll give you everything you need in every single area of your life. Seek God first. Now, again, this sounds easy, but the question is, how do we do it? How? Like, because the last thing I want to do is give us some inspirational scripture without, you know, figuring out how to apply it to our lives. There's, you know, there's nothing worse than a lot of inspiration without application. And so we need to, what do we do to apply this? And so in order to do that, I went to the top of the theological food chain. I went to, you know, the person that is a theological boss. So I went back to my four-year-old, Gray, and I said this, Gray, literally, I did. I said, Gray, we're talking about seeking the kingdom of God. Seek him first, and then he'll give us everything that we need. So Gray, I said, how do we seek the kingdom of God? You know what he said? Without skipping a beat, he said, pray, and then went back to doing a craft. <laughs> pray. Can I tell you something? We make this harder than it is sometimes. Pray. Just pray. We seek God by, by praying. We seek God by getting in his word. We seek God by getting connected to the people of God. We seek God. That's what you're doing here today. We're seeking the kingdom of God right now above all else. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't dive into the, the deep theological you know, nuances and understand you know, the context of the Bible and, and this is why this was happening and this is why you know, this was going on and here's the original Greek and Hebrew and this is what it says. All that is great, but the Bible says above that, above all else, seek the kingdom of God and the presence of God. And worship God, get into his, his word, honor God. You know, seeking the presence of God by giving him your time, your, your talents and your treasure. If you were here this last weekend, Pastor Will brought a, brought a great message about honoring God with that stuff that we're not supposed to stop the blessing of God. We're supposed to be a conduit through which his blessings flow to the world around us. Like seek the presence of God. And so I went back to Gray, my theological, you know, professor and said, hey, dude, 
when you do that, how does it make you feel? And you know what he said? And I want to read this word for word so I get it right. So I want to get it correctly. He said this, good. (laughs) All right. Good. What he didn't know is that he was actually quoting scripture. First Chronicles 16, 11 says, search for the Lord and his strength continually seek him. So whenever you continually seek God, he gives you and he fills you with this inner strength. He fills you with this this confidence, this boldness. In other words, simply put, you feel good. You feel good. That's what God's word promises us. If you'll seek my kingdom first, seek my presence, seek time with me, I'll change the culture of your soul. I'll change the culture of your your mind and your thoughts and your emotions so much so that now everywhere you go, you are a carrier of the kingdom culture. So let me challenge you this week. First, pray, pray it down. Ask God, you know what? God, what is it that you want from my life? Pray a bold, gutsy prayer like that this week. And then seek his presence. Before anything else, seek his presence. And here's the last one I wanna give it to you. Live with it in mind. You gotta live with the kingdom of heaven in mind. Paul is talking to some friends. Uh, Actually, he's writing a letter. He didn't know at the time that it was gonna be used to inspire us 2,000 years later, but God was inspiring his words in this letter that he wrote to a church he had planted uh, in, in a place called Philippi about how you and I can live with a kingdom mindset Like constantly, even when life is hard, even when it gets crazy, even when it's difficult. And this is what he says in Philippians 3.18. He says, so as I have often told you before, you know what he's saying? He's saying, hey guys, like, let me just say this again. This is important. You need to understand. I've told it to you time and time again. I'm telling you again, he says, even with tears in my eyes. So this is very emotional for Paul. He says, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. You know what? That might be where some of you live today. That might be where some of you that are watching online, you live today. And can I tell you, that's a bad place to be when you live your life stiff-arming God, trying to keep him at a distance. It's not a good place to be. He says, unfortunately, they live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Like they're headed for for eternal separation from God. He says their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on what? Say it out loud. Their mind is set on, yeah, they don't understand how to set their mind on the kingdom of heaven. All they know how to do, and if you and I aren't careful, we'll fall into this same trap, is set our time and our attention and our mind on things that we can smell and taste and touch and here, all the bad news that's happening around us, my mind is just fixed on that or, or my mind is fixed on whatever the feed is on my Instagram or Facebook. Like, like that's what my mind is set to, all the earthly things in front of me. He said, verse 20, but kingdom people, come on, we live differently. Our citizenship is in heaven. Your citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, hey, listen, you don't actually live here. Do you know that? This isn't where you're going to spend eternity. The Bible says that your life is like a mist. It's here for a second. 
and then is gone. Like this lifetime on this earth is, is a small blip on the timeline of your life. This is temporary. And can I just say, we're not playing a game here. We're not, this is not a game. If this was a game, why, why even sit here? God is real. Jesus one day is coming back. Heaven is going to come to earth. This is the reality. And while having that mindset of heaven, you know, might not change your current circumstance or the fact that here you are while your spouse is at home and, and you see things differently, it might not change the fact that you've lost loved ones in this season. You know, it might not change the fact that you've lost a job in this season, but getting your mind fixed on the things of heaven, you know what it does? It means no matter what you're facing right now, this is temporary, you're just passing through. This is not it. So we need to live with this, this mindset of the kingdom of God. It changes everything. It changes our focus. I was at a conference with my wife uh, through our church planning organization called ARC, the Association of Related Churches, a couple weeks ago. And I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and we were just, man, I was just landed out there. I was just venting about this season. Anybody else vent a lot in the last 20 months? Like, I'll be honest. I was just saying, dude, this is crazy. It's crazy. It's tough. I've never had to experience anything like this. Can I, I'm just going to get real. I, leading a church in this season has been the hardest thing we've ever had to do. It's mentally exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. You feel like you can please some people, but there's a whole bunch of people that you aren't pleased. I tell them I feel like there are people that, man, I thought I could count on in this season that, that have vanished, just disappeared. And then there are other people that have stepped up and it's, it's amazing. I'm trying to figure out how to navigate, you know, buildings and, and procedures and, and what's in front of us and, and the next season that God has for us. How to, how to lead people in a season where there's really, it's not a one size fits all season. venting about how my wife will post something online. Like recently she posted, you know, get out and vote. And immediately the hate mail starts coming. Just by saying, get out and vote. It's like you can't say anything at all. Or, or how the fact that in, in June, my, my son was excited about getting his, his driver's permit, went to the driver's license bureau place and and it was closed. And so she posted the fact that, hey man, it's, you know, my son is disappointed because it was closed for the first time they were observing Juneteenth. And, and it's a great holiday to observe, but she was just posting the fact that he's disappointed and the hate mail started coming. And sometimes it's like, are you kidding me? And honestly, I don't know about you, but I can have some professional level pity parties when I want to and just venting about it. And he, then he said this, he said, Colby, have I ever told you about the happiest person on the planet? And I'm like, no, and this sounds really stupid. He said, there was a guy named Billy Hornsby who helped establish the whole ARC, the association related churches that we're a part of. And he said, this guy did more things for the kingdom than you can imagine. 
had such a huge impact for the kingdom of God and, and made such a, you know, immense difference in the lives of so many, ultimately died of cancer and he was just kind of battling cancer, had some horrible days, faced a lot of opposition because how many of you know high influence comes with high opposition from the enemy? Faced a lot of opposition and he said, I would ask him, like, how is it that you're still smiling? Knowing what you're going through, knowing what you're facing, know the, the hate that's coming. How is it that you're still smiling? He said, you know what my key is? He said, I always ask myself this question right here, and this is a great question for all of us to ask. Will this thing that I'm facing right now matter 100 years from now? Will it matter 100 years from now? Can I remind you, this life is a blip. It's here for a second, it's gone tomorrow. You could be the wealthiest person on the planet or you could be the poorest. Will it matter 100 years from now? Will it matter? Because when you have that kind of mindset and you can fix your eyes on the things of eternity, can I tell you what? It changes the way that you operate in today. Changes the way that you lead through this life. There was a study done by a, a guy at Harvard in 1950s. And it's kind of an inhumane study. It's super brutal, actually. He, he took a rat and he put it in this, this jar of water. And the rat would like, you know, try to tread water and stay alive. And he wanted to see how long the rat would, you know, try to tread water for and stay alive. And then eventually the rat sank to the bottom and he picked the rat out and, you know, he didn't kill him. He just kind of, you know, let him, you know, get his energy back. And you know, like the, the first time he put the rat in the jar, it treaded water for about 15 minutes, 15 minutes. That was it. And he took him out and then he did it again. He put him back in again. And do you know how long this, this now tired rat treaded water for the second time? You would think it would be less, 10 minutes or five minutes or less. Do you know how long he treaded water for? 60 hours. You know why? Because he had hope that rescue was on its way. And because he had that hope, because he, he had that knowledge that something was going to save him, something was going to be, be different than his current situation, he went from 15 minutes to 60 hours. It is unbelievable what you and I are able to face when we have the knowledge and live with the knowledge of the kingdom in heaven that's in front of us. So can I encourage you and just Pray it down. In fact, let's do this. Would you stand to your feet right now and bow your head, close your eyes. God, we're gonna, we're gonna worship you in this moment right now. And we're gonna ask God in Jesus' name for your kingdom to come, your will to be done in our lives as it is on earth, as it is in heaven. And we're gonna pray it down in our families, God. We're gonna pray it down in our schools. We're gonna pray it down in our church in this city, God, in everything that we face, help us be carriers of the kingdom of heaven. Let us walk into rooms. Let us walk into to homes. Let us walk into our schools with more confidence than ever, God, because of what we carry inside of us. God, would your will be done on earth 
God, we're going to seek it out. Let us seek uh, to, to find the kingdom and, and bring the kingdom into every circumstance that we face. God, help us to live with it in mind. And what's in mind right now is the worship that's happening in heaven. God, let us not forget that you are sovereign. God, that you are in control. That right now, just millions of angels bowing down at your feet, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Just echoing out through eternity, echoing out through, through our lives. God, help us be carriers of that kind of culture into the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.